show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. It's maybe the best thing you can do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And with me tonight is James T. Ryder, who is the head of the Feel Good Foundation. He's actually the head of their public relations department. And it's an amazing organization. Uh, I've done quite a few shows in the last year uh, on the 9-11 20-year anniversary I'm a 9-11 first responder. My co-host, Phil Grimaldi, who's usually on, he's also a 9-11 first responder. And so is uh, uh, James Ryder. And he not only can uh, talk the talk, but he walked the walk. He was an NYPD veteran. He's a former Marine. And it's uh, my pleasure to have him on the show tonight. James, welcome to uh, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Good evening, sir. Good to be here. Pleasure. Should I, should I do a hoorah? Oh! <laughs> Every Marine does that yell, does that yell out. A couple of shows back trying to do that, and I swore tonight <laughs> I was bringing you out. Uh, I, I, I don't ever, you know, I had a lot of guys that worked with me and for me that were Marines, and uh, one guy, uh, Tommy Clark, was in homicide with me, God rest his soul. Every time he saw a Marine on the street, he would be like, you know, and I'd be like, what the hell was that? He goes, I'm just saying hello. I was like, uh, that's pretty you cool. You said that you know Detective Tom Sullivan, also known as Sully. Well, I, I know of him. I don't know him uh, right. personally. I know of well, him. Well, you should be consider yourself lucky not to know him personally because I'll tell you, we went on a bus down to 8th and I, uh, the Marine Corps base where they house the uh, Silent Drill team and the President's Band, the Marine Corps mm-hmm. Band, also known as the President's so, Zone. A phenomenal uh, parade to go to on summers summer nights in dc and he made us watch that movie the old black and white movie called the di uh-huh. six times on the way down and six times on the way back <laughs> and he walked the uh the bus with the smoky on his head he was a good man he's he is still thank god a good man uh but yeah you you learn things and you don't forget them in the marine corps well i, I know there's um there's a lot of NYPD that uh, are Marines, and I won't say former Marine because I understand uh, once you're a Marine, you die a Marine. You know, you're always a Marine. And yes. there's another good buddy of mine who Montgomery Delaney, who ran for Supreme Court Justice upstate, and he's retired out of the four four. He's you know obviously he was an attorney. He ran for Supreme Court Justice. He's a Marine, and that, he lists that as one of his biggest accomplishments of his life, which I find pretty interesting. You know, right. Within reach of me right now is the closest thing to an M16A1 service rifle, which, by the way, is a lightweight, air-cooled, gas-operated shuttle weapon capable of shooting a 5.56-millimeter round <laughs> on automatic or semi-automatic by the use of a selector level. It's in us forever, Bill. In us forever. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know, even uh, we just we mentioned Joe Lisi, and I always say Joe Lisi's been on the show, and I said when he was introduced, not only is he a Marine, but he's probably the most successful actor in NYPD history. He's yeah. he's done he's a serious actor. He's probably done over a hundred TV shows. And, and he started uh, very young. He was still on the job when he was doing that originally with Law and Order. And you come back to some of the old Chris Noth, it's the actor who was the uh one of the leads on uh Law and Order, if I'm speaking correctly here. And uh the episode would start with Joe Lisi and then R P riding up on a DOA, not knowing he was riding up on the DOA. And I'm saying to my wife, that's him. That's the Joe Lisi I'm telling you about. It was, he's been doing it from then uh, and then forward. Third Watch, Law and Order, Sopranos, a hell of a career. 
Yeah, I remember he told me that uh, I found it amusing. He goes, I in one episode of me playing a captain on TV, he goes, I made more money than I made being a real captain in a year on the NYPD. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Semper Fi, Susan from New Jersey, Semper Fi. <laughs> Bill, I can give you, I'll put your mind at ease. You'll be making more money than all of us. YouTube has that ability. Your show is fantastic. You will get the followers and you'll be making more than all of us. Just well, thanks. Thanks, James. I appreciate that. James, let's get into what the Feel Good Foundation is, because I think that it's so important. Uh, you know, you see in the last couple of years the disrespect for law enforcement and all that stuff, and, and just how you guys had to fight for everyone for health care that should have been just a natural thing for the government to do for 9-11 first responders, and yet people were going to hold it back from people that were dying of all kinds of cancers. Yeah. And uh, yeah. because of you guys, and specifically John Stewart, who was the celebrity component to this, and it's amazing the power of celebrity. It's yeah. it's unbelievable that they people listen to them because they're celebrities. Yeah. And well, luckily- it says something about Congress and their ooh and ah for a celebrity. And I, I don't mean to take away from John Stewart. He was our saving grace at the last minute uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, we were torn, John, myself, and others. Where do you go? Do we go back to D.C. and walk the halls again? Or do we go sit on the show with with uh, John Stewart? And we decided to do a little bit of both. And we, some of our guys from our team, as we called it, the A-team, went to uh, John Stewart's show. And that was it. The explosion started. And uh, it was a very big part of our fight. Uh, but we're going there with people with medication co-payments that cost them more than their mortgage. That wasn't enough for Congress to believe in us. Here we are with the Hollywood celebrity and they're starting to listen to us. I take nothing away from John Stewart and point that directly at the United States Congress and Senate. And uh, it, it was a, a tough battle. And I, I will tell you, because it's no secret, I am a Ronald Reagan conservative. Head to toe, left to right. John Field is not. Uh, everybody has their opinion. Everybody has their right. Everybody has their political views. And God bless them all. I have it's tragic that we don't have debate like we had with the likes of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, who fought the good fight every day and went out to drink every night. And so that was the same. Uh, but I use this phrase a lot, tear down this wall between politics and patriotism and pass this bill while I walk to Congress with John Field, a phenomenal person in his own right, who took tragedy and made it. You know, talk about turning a lemon into lemonade. John turned it into uh, the Amazon of, of lemonade stands. Uh, and, and justly so. How many people do you know, Bill, in your life that passed the bill in Congress at all? I am proud to say, incredibly proud to say that uh, hanging upstairs in my living room is my copy of the original bill signed by President Obama. After it passed on December 23rd, 2009, he signed it in January 2010 in Hawaii, his uh, residence in Hawaii. And I, right next to that, I have the bill for uh, Donald Trump's signature, and I have his signature on that bill that he invited us to in the Rose Garden. And I was in awe of being in the Rose Garden. I don't think it's any secret that somebody who was a supporter of Reagan is going to be a supporter of Trump. But I said to John Field in conversations we had in our many drives to D.C. and New York back and forth. You don't have to respect the man if you you should at least respect the office. And as much as I was not a fan of uh, President Obama, I'm a big fan of the presidency of the United States, the greatest country in the world. And if we can put our politics and our personal opinions aside and pass this bill, that's great. But I'm embarrassed to say, and I still say it out loud, 
that it was my fellow Republicans that were our uphill battle. You know, James, that that is disgusting. That is really disgusting because these yeah. are the same people that are gung-ho, oh, and, be, and they do support the police in most things. But in this, it was disgusting that they weren't even in the Congress that day. Yeah. Most of them didn't show up. I find, you know, John, let me just play, just so people watching can get a feel of, you know, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. I just want to, and I hate to show the, the buildings, but it really hits home, and I, I'd like uh, the people watching just to see this. In an apparent terrorist attack on our country. The attack continued when Flight 77 flew into the Pentagon. Apparently, there it, it felt just a few moments ago like there was an explosion of some kind here at the Pentagon. We now have confirmed reports that a plane crashed into the Pentagon. For the first time ever, the entire U.S. airspace was shut down. Nearly 5,000 planes ordered to land immediately at the nearest airport. This country, in terms of air travel, has been immobilized. The White House and Capitol were evacuated. We're looking at the White House, uh, Mick, because we are learning that there have been some evacuations from the White House. Then, the unthinkable. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to clear this block. The building has collapsed. That tower just came down. These pictures are beyond belief. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be massive amounts of casualties. At 10.03 a.m., a fourth plane, Flight 93, crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Another large plane crashed as well, just north of Somerset County Airport, 80 miles southeast of Pittsburgh. Get away from this area! Get inside a building! And 102 minutes after the first plane struck the World Trade Center, the North Tower fell. The other tower of the World Trade Center has just collapsed. declaration and an execution of an attack on the United States. And I think, you know, I just like to bring it home to people and especially young kids today that don't really understand this, that maybe we're too young to really realize what happened and accept what happened and, and realize that it was an act of war. And the way that uh, New York city responded to it was, was amazing. You know, how do you look at that, Bill? How do you look at those towers, those people jumping out of a building and say that this is a New York problem? You listen to the media and they're telling you this is war. And it was an act of war. And we would walk the halls of Congress and they would tell us this is a New York problem. Where the hell do you get that arrogance? Where the hell do you get off telling us that this is our problem, not yours. Let's not forget there was a congressman who came down to Ground Zero and took steel from Ground Zero home to his home state and built a building in memory of 9-11. How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you go to Ground Zero and take a selfie knowing there are over 2,000 pounds of bodies still down there that are unidentified because the DNA is just not recoverable. And only the family who are still missing people can go down there to that bottom floor of the museum. Tell me where else in society we have bodies that are stored and it's not a cemetery. 
You know, James, we all worked uh, in different capacities responding to uh, the Ground Zero. And I was there with uh, three detectives when it happened. Uh, we sped down there from the two, three detective squad on 102nd Street. And luckily, we, we parked on South and Pike Street. And we walked toward the towers because had we drove driven our car right underneath them, we probably wouldn't be here today. And, you know, over the course of the whole 9-11 thing, we did all kinds of different duties. I worked at the morgue. We worked security down there. I worked on, I volunteered on the pile when I was off duty to go through it. And we all, you know, rose to the occasion. And when you realize these politicians and I, you know, I, I have just such disdain for politicians. That word politician just really makes me sick, especially what we've seen in the last few years. And this was, this took the cake. Like, thank God for the hard work of you guys. Uh, I have a, a my co-host. <laughs> He's actually at Awake and he wanted to come on and just uh, join us here for a second. Let me bring Phil Grimaldi in. Hey, Philly, how you doing? I'm good, Billy. How are you? Very good. This is James Ryder, who's uh, the public relations director for the Feel Good Foundation. We were going over, uh, you know, 9-11, and he's involved in still raising money. In fact, folks, I, I today, and not to pat myself on the back because I, I donated $200 to the Feel Good Foundation today, and you can personally go on their website. The Feel Good Foundation is spelled, I put it in the chat, F-E-A-L-G-O-O-D foundation.com and you can donate directly put your credit card on there or pay through paypal and please don't donate into here because youtube takes one third of everything you donate if you want to donate please go right on the website and donate directly to the feel good foundation website absolutely great charity uh james it's so great to meet you um I was actually down ground zero on 9-11. I got there after the collapse, thank God. And uh, I did suffer some illnesses. I met John Feel a few times at a couple of uh, meetings and stuff. And I actually reached out to him a couple of times when I was uh, having some uh, difficulty, I guess you could call it, with uh, with the VCF fund. But it's a great foundation. I don't know that John is a fighter. I know that everyone involved in the uh, Feel Good Foundation um, really uh, went above and beyond to get the Zadroga Act uh, passed. And they went back to Congress and uh, they got it funded a second time. And now it's uh, it's going to be funded for quite some time into the future. And uh, we owe a lot of thanks to you guys, uh, James. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, everybody that's listening, uh, you know how we are on police off the cuff. We're straight shooters and uh, we fully endorse this uh this charity, they're a, they're a great bunch of guys, and uh, they're uh, they're doing uh, they're doing God's work, as they say. Phil, thank you. I, I want you and Bill to know something, and I mean it from the logic of a fifty eight year old man who has watched politics in the United States military since I was eighteen. The first time I voted was for Ronald Reagan. Served eight years in the Corps, and I can tell you undoubtedly that the two of you are American heroes. Everybody that went down in that pit was an American hero. When we were in the Rose Garden, Donald, uh, Donald Trump referred to it as the ashes of hell. And that's a fairly accurate de description. And uh, I was sharing some photos yesterday of the Commandant of the Marine Corps, Chief Esposito, who we all know uh, and admire, I'm sure, uh, selected me and Bobby Maldonado, Sergeant Bobby Maldonado, to escort the commandant down at ground zero and what we didn't know when we got down there was that uh sergeant major mike curtin nypd sergeant curtin his wife his widow was there she was a marine herself uh and we had the honor of bringing the two of them around ground zero with lieutenant uh dunkel and, other, and others uh but uh you look around or you look at those pictures now at ground zero and how it looked then I don't give a damn how good this museum looks now. It is still and ever will be a different place for myself and I'm sure you two and the others that were down there. It changed our lives forever. In our souls, changed our lives forever. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, James, is that the park that you're digging, uh, breaking ground at out on eastern Long Island? 
that is our park in Wisconsin on the corner of Smithtown Bypass and Gibbs Pond Road. Smithtown Boulevard, forgive me, and, and Smithtown Road. The famous uh, Little Vincent's Pizzeria is across the street as a landmark. Uh, that's us breaking ground for the park. We bought that land uh, under the auspices of President Errol Toulon, now the Suffolk County Sheriff, uh, for one dollar. And uh, the uh, fight uh, and, and the determination of our group has made it into what I would guess is somewhere between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars in value. And sadly, our park, let me back up, our park in Wisconsin is dedicated to those who have died of their illnesses of, from 9-11. And the years of that park, putting their names on the wall there, is now resulting in uh, all of our three walls being full. We've run out of room. We were convinced then, we're convinced now that more people will be on that wall than were on the, uh, or that have died on that day. Uh, and that's people, again, who are dying of cancer, who are dying of breathing ailments. I have a dear friend, Mike D., who is struggling with Wegener's degrees, Danny Guari with Wegener's degrees, a Nassau County police officer with breast cancer. 17% of the responders have breast cancer. In, in America as a whole, it's less than 3% of men who have breast cancer. Within the 9-11 community, 17%. That is because you take a 110-story building, crushed into a powder, for, a powder form with all of its contents, and ingest it. 600,000 square feet, 600,000 square feet of glass pulverized, human DNA floating in the air, plastic, asbestos. The first 40 stories of both buildings, every stairwell, there are 10 stairwells in both buildings, covered in asbestos. We ingested that. You, me, Phil, we all ingested that. And uh, it, it affects you whether you realize it or not. Mesothelioma is the kind of cancer that you can have in your body for 70 years before it decides to rear its ugly head. So, yeah, if you're not registered, you should be. And I say this respectfully, but, you know, with a little candor as a Marine, if you're not registered, shame on you. You're an idiot. Get registered. You owe it to your family. You owe it to yourself. You are coming to the World Trade Center Health Program to register because you are an American hero, and that is something you deserve. And let me put it a different way. John Field and the rest of us didn't walk the halls of Congress and deal with all those morons because we wanted you to think that it's deserving to somebody else other than you. I don't give a doggone how healthy you are. You should register because you don't know what tomorrow brings. And you owe it to your family to get registered, to get the help you need, and to rest assured that no matter where you live in this country, you're getting that your health, uh, uh, you're getting your, your coverage for your health. And I, I started there because I'm thinking of something else that I wanted to bring up, and I'm going to change uh, channels here, if I may. Sure. Logistics Health Incorporated. Horrific. Logistics Health Incorporated has been a real uphill battle for the sake of the Feel Good Foundation and for the sake of the responders. I have dealt directly with Dr. Cochran, a gentleman, the president of Logistics Health, who I think just came into something that was just too much for them. There's just too many of us. And cops are determined son of a gun. That's, that's what makes us go to that, to that next door, into that next bedroom to find the, the perp. So do you really think that having us deal with somebody over the phone is going to deter us from doing what we need to do? It doesn't, especially when it's us that's ill or a loved one. So they became overwhelmed, and their contract has not been renewed. And that's not my business, nor is it anybody else's, but I can tell the responders listening this evening that we are going to make it our mission, the Feel Good Foundation, to make sure that you're getting the health you need. And I, I'm a volunteer. I'm not getting paid for these phone calls to LHI or to the uh, Centers for Excellence around the New York area. But when somebody drops the ball, as we say, screws the pooch, it's me that's going to call them. And I say that all the time, respectful but forceful. 
I know the World Trade Center Help Program, like the back of my hand. I've been doing this for many years. I have sitting next to me a stack of blue folders. Each one is a different cop, a different fireman, a different civilian. An outback restaurant employee who was serving burgers within Ground Zero that is covered under the World Trade Center Help Program that is now struggling. I, I remember yeah. them, too. I remember them. If you remember the day they got down there. You call us. And we will figure out if what you're complaining about is wrong or if they're treating you correctly and you just don't like the message. And if I can help you deal with it, if it's not the right message, then I will do that. But if somebody is screwing the pooch, we're going to give them a call. And there's not a center that doesn't know me. And I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with them not liking me. I don't want anybody to hate me because I don't want to hate anybody. But I want the responders to get what they need. And if that means... I'm going to call you every morning. Then I'm going to call you every morning. I'll be damned if I'm going to let Jim Bahamani be told. And I'm sorry I said his name because I'm about to say something sensitive. Call me up and told me, Jim, I have blood in my stool. And they're telling me to call him back in 30 days. I flipped. I flipped. I got on the call and they, I, I had him call. And I listened in on the call. It's completely proper. There's nothing wrong with that. But I waited until this woman screwed the pooch and I jumped on her. And I said, no, that's not right. That's not what you're paid to do. That's not what your job is. You need to listen to him. And you're not going to tell him to call back in 30 days. The man is bleeding internally. You need to help him. And I can say that I have met, and I know I'm turning the channel here again. I have met some of the most fantastic men and women, nurses, administrative people, doctors. I am truly in love with Dr. Luft. Fantastic. Dr. Wilson, fantastic. Dr. Wright, fantastic. And the list goes on. I, I deal with the nurses every day. I deal with the social workers every day. It is just jam-packed with, with great people. But if there's a human factor, we're all going to have what we say in the Marine Corps. We're always going to have our 10%. So it's that 10% that I have to deal with. And sometimes it's uh, a difficult conversation, but I'm fine with that as long as the responders are getting what they need. And that's what, that's why I fell in love with John Field a long time ago. Cause one of the very first nights that I had dealt with John, I was still on the job. And we had to go scare the crap out of a drug dealer who was giving too much of the wrong medication to a, a to a uh, off duty cop. This cop was, was hooked on, on painkillers. We went to Jersey and filled the refrigerator. We went to Jersey another time and paid for a funeral. We went to Staten Island and met with the wife while she's in there looking at the coffin, and we gave her the cash for that funeral. We were wow. glad to do that because other people were kind enough to give us this money, and we made sure that this money went to, to the right people in need. J James, can I just um, stop you for one second? I just want to play the, um, the Congress, the meeting in Congress where John Stewart spoke uh, and got very emotional. I think this is so powerful, and I think it would be great for everyone that's watching this show to take a look at this. I want to thank Mr. Collins and Mr. Naylor for putting this together, but uh, as I sit here today, I can't help but think what an incredible metaphor this room is for the entire process that getting health care and benefits for 9-11 first responders has come to. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 first responders. And in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. Shameful. It's an embarrassment to the country, and it is a stain on this institution. And you should be ashamed of yourselves for those that aren't here, but you won't be. Because accountability doesn't appear to be something that occurs in this chamber. We don't want to be here. Lou doesn't want to be here. None of these people want to be here. But they are, and they're not here for themselves. They're here to continue fighting for what's right. Lou's going to go back for his 69th chemo. 
the great Ray Pfeiffer would come down here, his body riddled with cancer and pain, where he couldn't walk. And the disrespect shown to him and to the other lobbyists on this bill is utterly unacceptable. You know, I used to get, I, I, would, I would be so angry at the latest injustice that's done to these men and women. And, uh, you know, another business card thrown our way uh, as a way of, of shooing us away. Like children, trick-or-treating, rather than the heroes that they are and will always be. Ray would say, calm down, Johnny, calm down. I got all the cards I need. And he would tap his pocket. Where he kept the prayer cards. 343 firefighters. The official FDNY response time to 9-11 was five seconds. Five seconds. That's how long it took for FDNY, for NYPD, for Port Authority, for EMS, to respond to an urgent need from the public. Five seconds. Hundreds died in an instant. Thousands more poured in to continue to fight for their brothers and sisters. The breathing problem started almost immediately. And they were told they weren't sick, they were crazy. And then, as the illnesses got worse, things became more apparent. Well, okay, you're sick, but it's not from the pile. And then when the science became irrefutable, okay, it's the pile. But this is a New York issue. I don't know if we have the money. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry and you should be too. And they're all angry as well. And they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. The one thing they're running out of. This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. And why no matter what they get, something's always pulled back and they gotta come back. Mr. Johnson, you, you, you made a point earlier, and it was one that we have heard over and over again in these halls, and I, I, I couldn't help but to answer to it, which was said, look, you know, you guys are obviously heroes, and 9-11 was a big deal, but, you know, we have a lot of stuff here to do. And, uh, you know, we got to make sure there's money for a variety of uh, uh, disasters, hurricanes and tornadoes. But this wasn't a hurricane, and this wasn't a tornado. And by the way, that's your job anyway. We can't fund these programs. You can setting aside that no American in this country should face financial ruin because of uh, a health issue. 
certainly 9-11 first responders shouldn't have to decide whether to live or to have a place to live. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now. Well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they're going to die. And I am awfully tired of hearing that it's a 9-11 New York issue. Al-Qaeda didn't shout death to Tribeca. They attacked America and these men and women and their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for. And you are ignoring them. And you can end it tomorrow. Why this bill isn't unanimous consent and a standalone issue is beyond my comprehension. And I have yet to hear a reasonable explanation for why. It'll get stuck in some transportation bill or some appropriations bill and get sent over to the Senate where a certain someone from the Senate will use it as a political football to get themselves maybe another new import tax on petroleum. Because that's what happened to us in 2015. And we won't allow it to happen again. Thank God for people like John Field. Thank God for people like Ray Pfeiffer. Thank God for all of these people who will not let it happen. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs. Courage, grace, tenacity, humility. 18 years later, do yours. Thank you. That was amazing. What that a what a powerful. what that a great powerful. speech. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, it, it's sad that he had to do that. And folks, I just want to say right now, please go to the Feel Good Foundation, spelled F-E-A-L-G-O-O-D Foundation, and make a donation. These guys are still doing God's work. I'm going to actually put it in the uh, chat. Uh, I'll spell it out for you. Uh, not to blow my own horn, but I made a $200 donation this afternoon because I don't want to talk to talk and not walk the walk. All right? So that's that's how you spell it right there. Uh, it's in the chat. Go to the chat. Make a donation to the Feel Good Foundation. There's still people dying of horrendous cancers, still people that have horrendous health problems. And not just do these health problems bring on uh, problems with paying for it, but other problems because they have other financial problems to deal with these health problems. So they can use your help. And please make a donation to the Feel Good Foundation. Uh, James, what you do is amazing. Uh, I know you don't get paid for this. You're a volunteer. And it's so good with so someone that has your drive and your background. Uh, and, of course, you're a Marine. And we'll never, we'll never forget that. And, uh, we look, uh, you, you're doing God's work. And we, we've said that a million times. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. A thousand stories to be told about fighting the, the good fight in Congress. Uh, Lou Alvarez uh, was a gentleman. He was a different guy when I met him uh, than he was as, as a, uh, a member of the bomb squad. Uh, the cancer had really uh, done a number on him. I went to go visit him to deliver a gift to him, and I had the honor of going to do that and meeting him in Mercy Hospital in Rockville Center. And he was in the room with some other people. I didn't know who any of them were. I hadn't met any of them. It was his family, his brothers, his sisters, his mom, his dad. And I treated him like another Marine. And I walked in, and I was obviously too loud for the hospital. But I walked <laughs> in, and I just started. I said, get up in the doggown rack. Get back <laughs> on that field right now. And his brother <laughs> told me, Phil, uh, Jimmy, I hadn't seen my brother smile for eight days. But when you did that to him, he smiled. He said, you scared my parents a little, but it was worth it because <laughs> your, my brother smiled and it meant a lot to him. And then I heard that again from uh, 
from uh, another person who was there as well. It was just nice to see, but difficult to see when I watched that because of the struggle and, and the fact that it had to take somebody like a dying man to get the point across these people. And we heard that quite often. I said it to you. You heard John Stewart say it. This is a New York problem. Every state in the union had a responder at ground zero. Every state in the union had a responder at ground zero. I got out of this Queens Midtown Tunnel one day on my way back to work, going to the pit, and I saw an English Bobby directing traffic. God is my witness. An English Bobby directing traffic. They came from other countries once the flights opened back up to come down at ground zero and help us. And they're trying to tell us, and they did quite often, this is a New York problem. Who the hell do you think you are? That That's pure arrogance. Pure yeah. arrogance. There was a lot of that to go around. I remember I quoted, like I said, Ronald Reagan, and we were in a crowd at the press, uh, one of the many press pressers that we did. And I stepped back in the crowd and away from sight. And Chuck Schumer grabs me by the arms and shakes me and says, I loved Ronald Reagan. I loved Ronald Reagan. The stories yeah. like that that you hear, you know, and uh, you had mentioned earlier, Bill, about politicians and just in general. Uh, but I, I've politics in, in, in D.C. is like, you know, watching sausage being made. You don't want to watch it. But uh, you enjoy it once it's done. And for us, it's a bill that we uh, enjoy every day for the sake of the responders. But there's another saying that I use a lot, and that is bureaucracy. You don't want to deal with it. Nobody knows how to spell it. And that's because the politicians don't want you to know how to spell it. And the Field Good Foundation knows how to spell it, knows how to use it. And if you drop the ball, we're going to be there looking down your throat to make sure that you straighten out what you screwed up because these guys and gals deserve what they are deserving of. You know, James, it was so good during this, how you called out some of these guys. You called out uh, Mitch McConnell, who is a, is a, he's a dirtbag. He's a Republican and he's a shameful Republican. And uh, the deals, the deals that they cut among each other, that is the most sickening thing. And not just in deals like this, but you know, Regular bills, when they lay all this pork in these bills, and if people only knew what is inside 2,000-page bills, it's like, it's just, they wear people down, you know, and it's, it it's just. There are very few people that want to study the sex organs of a cockroach, but it's in the bill. You know, it's in this bill, it's in that bill. We are studying the size of the testicles of a cow, and yet we're looking for money to pay for the healthcare responders. Politics and, and D.C. is an amazing thing. And I love D.C. And I loved what I did. And when the bill passed, we we're in the rotunda watching it pass in the House, where you see the president doing the State of the Union, and he points up to a guest. That's where we sat and watched it pass. And then we took the train that takes you internally from the House to the Senate, and we watched it pass the Senate. And this was very emotional for all of us. And we watched it pass the Senate, but they made a change. And then it had to go back to the House and approve that change. And then it was it. It was done. It was incredibly emotional for all of us. We get downstairs. We get our phones back. And I started to type to my wife on my phone, Irene, we just moved the mountain. And as I started to type that to my wife, Newsday pops up on my phone and says the Feel Good Foundation just moved them out. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Let me just play this. Why was this a fight at all? A fund set up to compensate the 9-11 first responders? Well, thanks to this bill now, they may never have to have this fight again. The heroes of 9-11 finally declaring victory on Capitol Hill. Yeah. The Senate gallery erupted in applause as the bill that essentially permanently funds care for 9-11 first responders, survivors, and their families overwhelmingly passed 97 to 2. <laughs> survivors cheered, as did their longtime advocate, comedian John Stewart. The former Daily Show host even cracked jokes after the bill's passage. Yes, I think we can all agree I'm the real hero. Um, <laughs> I'm hopeful that today begins the process of being able to heal without the burden 
of having to advocate. Securing the funding wasn't always certain as Republican senators Rand Paul and Mike Lee temporarily blocked the bill, raising objections about offsetting the cost. We whipped your asses. 97 to 2. Uproar began weeks ago when Stewart and survivors like Detective Luis Alvarez, who was in the final weeks of his life, spoke before Congress, ripping lawmakers for failing to fully fund the program. They did their jobs. Do yours. Now, a bittersweet sigh of relief. Yes, I cried with John, but that was to exhale. That was to get 18 years of pain and suffering out, and I believe it's out. And your President Trump is expected to sign the bill, but 343 firefighters died on night. Amazing. I just wanted to play that because it was such a great uh, now. I mean, it's funded forever, basically. Right. It's funded uh, for as long as 9-11. 2099 is something. They say that politics. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. 2090. 2090. 2090 uh, the World Trade Center Health Program will continue. Why so far from now? Well, none of us are going to be alive in 2090. I don't care how healthy you are. I'm working out, though, man. (laughs) Keep that going. Uh, The children in that area are eligible for the World Trade Center Health Program. The students in the grade school, the high school, and the college that were in that area were eligible for the World Trade Center Health Program and still are to this day. And that's why it went as far as it did. You look, hindsight's twenty twenty. When the bill first passed, it didn't cover cancer. We right. didn't know about cancer. I mean, Christine Todd Whitman told us the air was was clean, didn't she? Yes, so she did. did. So how do we know that cancer was an issue? But it was added to the bill later, thanks to John Field and the determination of the Feel Good Foundation fighting the good fight. But I want to say something because it needs to be said. I would be remiss if I didn't say Congressman Peter King. Great help from the Republican side. Congressman Weiner, leave that over there. Senator Gillibrand, Senator Moynihan, Senator Schumer. He came. He came through in the end. He was a supporter, but not a co-sponsor. And there's Congressman King with myself, John Field, and, and uh, Police Officer Tony Flamia. He. Forgive me. I was just saying something, I, and I got distracted. Oh, Senator Schumer. He was a sponsor of our bill, and he wasn't a co-sponsor, and it took some tough, tough, tough conversation at the end to finally get him to agree to be a co-sponsor. So here is a guy, a Ronald Reagan fan, uh, a a Democrat, and it was an uphill battle to get his support. As a New Yorker, go figure, right? You should have been an instant co-sponsor. And for those who don't know, being a sponsor is one thing. That means you can do a John McCain and change your mind at the last minute. Being a co-sponsor means you've committed your vote. You're going to pass that bill or at least try to anyway. So you've committed your vote. And we couldn't get until the good fight lasted quite a long time to get Senator Schumer. But in the end, he did. And it was uh, Senator Gillibrand. I have a picture upstairs of my wife hugging Senator Gillibrand. That had nothing to do with politics. That had everything to do with thank you for helping us to get the help from the responders. And nobody knows the World Trade Center Hope Program as much as me and my kids because they hear me talking to responders each and every day about what it is they're deserving of, what it is they need to do. And my wife and kids hear me talking every day to these different people. No, that's not acceptable. No, that's not right. And, And let me know what's happening with you. And I try to get in touch with a responder before we all got on here tonight who's having trouble with LHI. And my job is to to get him the help he need as an advocate. Yes, I'm a volunteer, but my dad was a union guy. My mom was a union guy. Patrick is the kind of cop that jumps out of trees to catch, to catch the bad guy. I guess it's in us. We're fighting Irish. And <laughs> And by the way, Jack, uh, Jim Cohn's nephew, Jack Cohn, is the quarterback of Notre Dame. I know. You know, I saw that. That's that's amazing. That's uh, unbelievable. Irish, and we're, we're very proud of our family history. And we all believe in fighting for people. And uh, I'm honored to do what I do with John Field. That's fantastic. Now, is, is, gotta, is, go ahead. Go ahead, I make a quick comment, Bill? Uh, I want to make a comment about the, some of the stuff that John Stewart said in that piece that Bill played. 
Number one, yes, people got sick right away. I lost my voice within a week or two. Didn't know what it was. It lasted for quite some time. I was groggly. I went to the doctor. They gave me some steroids. It went away. It came back. Second time around, they scoped me, and I had a polyp on my uh, vocal cord, and that's where it started. I developed some breathing issues and on and on and on. Thank God in 2007, uh, a colleague convinced me to go to the World Trade Center Health Program, uh, I was saying, no, 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 this is a guy that had cancer, uh, Lieutenant Billy Serpy. I just spoke with him today, as a matter of fact. Every year, Christmas time, I send him a little something because I feel like the guy saved my life. He convinced me to do it. I kept, you know, pulling that macho BS. No, it's for you guys. You People have cancer. He came to me and said, I could hear that you're not breathing good. I could tell you're not feeling good. He just looked at me. He saw my face, my eyes. I went. They diagnosed me with a bunch of things. It took me from 2007 to about 2013 to get a baseline where my breathing was almost back to where it was supposed to be. I was 23% diminished. Now, I owe a lot of it to, like I said, Bill Serpy, but also Dr. Irish Uterson, the professor over at Rutgers. They have a, a spot out in New Jersey. I was living in Staten Island at the time, and I went there. She and her team are fantastic. There have been people that had problems with different uh, I don't want to single out anybody, but different health plan, uh, uh, World Trade Center health programs around the city. And I pulled them into uh, the transfer them over to uh, Rutgers. And it was like a, a breath of fresh air. They are just good people. They roll out the red carpet for cops, firemen, anybody that was down there. They treat you with respect. They've never told me no on anything. They've uh, really gone above and beyond. Uh, a real big shout out to them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some good people out there and uh, guys like you and John Feelgood, uh, John, John Feel rather, uh, from the Feelgood Foundation and John Stewart and that Lou Alvarez, that was a true American hero. That guy almost took his last breath trying to fight for this bill. He died a few days after uh, being up there, as everybody knows. And uh, uh, there's not much more to say about that. I think about that. Uh, you know, he was uh, he could have been sitting with his family, maybe enjoying his last few days. And instead, he was there fighting for all of us. And uh, God bless him in heaven. God bless his family. And uh, that's, thank it's, it's really great. Uh, you know, uh, thank yeah. you very much. That's all I could say yeah. is thank you very much. You know, Bill, we didn't we didn't cover tonight, and I I'm sorry if I'm rushing you. Uh, we didn't cover PTSD. I spent a lot of time talking to a particular doctor, Doctor uh, Dennis Dimmers, who was kind enough to spend time with me so I could speak professionally about this. He's been studying PTSD since it was called shell shock or battle fatigue uh, after the Vietnam War. That's a long time to be studying PTSD. Ninety percent. That's the number we're told. I think it's a lot higher. And 90% of responders struggle with PTSD, some level of PTSD. I think it's important for everybody to know that the help is there. It's covered. Your, your uh, professional that you go into will be covered. HIPAA law will protect you. Your, your privacy will be secured. And if you're dealing with ground zero, to some degree, you're dealing with some level of PTSD. The one word I've gotten from him that I've said to responders time and time and time again is desensitize. Speak to somebody. Speak to a fellow officer. Speak to a fellow fireman. Speak to a fellow Outback restaurant employee who was there that day. Find a complete stranger and talk to them. Go and talk to your priest. You need to desensitize what's going on in your head. Get it out. Speak about it. And that is your solution. And I'll say two things about that. To my fellow officers out there, if you take a gun to your hand because that's your solution, you're living the life of a hero and ending it as the life of a coward. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to your family. Get help. Absolutely. Call me up. 631 I'm sorry. 631-388. 0021 that's 631 I don't give a damn what time of the day it is if you need to talk to somebody I'm here for you I was there I was part of it I understand what you're going through and you are not alone you know I put that number up on the screen and you know James we've done quite a few shows on PTSD uh we had the great Dr. J uh Stephen Washkill who uh 
he he's written books. He's a he's a suicide prevention expert. I've had him on the show uh, so many times, and especially I think of it this time of year when you know every you want to be with your family is a happy time, but for some people it's a very sad time, yeah. and it's a it's a tough time to deal with PTSD and uh, like uh, that number I put on the screen six three one three three eight eight zero zero two one. That's James Ryder's number. You could call him if you want to talk to somebody. There's also Papa. You know, the police department has that unit. Papa, you could call them. There's suicide prevention numbers. Call a friend. Uh, call, you know, I, I can't give my number out on this for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, you can, e- you can email us, policeoffthecuff1, the number one, at Gmail. And I'll get back to you if you put your number in the... Uh, in the email, but I uh, I just can't give our number out for Bill. Know. If there's more than one person emailed, I'm ready and willing and able. I know you're Philly, and we're, we're cops, Absolutely. and and we're here to help people. But you know, some, some, sometimes it could get overwhelming. But I, it was great, James, that you brought up PTSD, especially this time of year, because many people are suffering from it. We have a commercial out right now that's running on the. Uh, uh, Fox News from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. randomly, of course, from now until the day after Christmas. More information is on there about getting help for the World Trade Center Hope Program. And one of those things is PTSD. Like I said, I think it's a lot more than 90 percent. But please speak to somebody. Desensitize what's going on in your head simply by spitting it out. You know, we so we had the uh, yeah, we, we've had people that survived that. um I'm trying to think of her name right now. Her husband was a sergeant. He killed himself. Yes. And yes. she's, she's been on our show and she was, she was great. And she, you know, she speaks at all kinds of police functions. And, um, I feel, I feel dopey that I can't remember her name right now, but, uh, Billy, you know, she made such a great point. And, uh, Jimmy just brought it up that, uh, you're going to leave a trail of destruction behind you. So, and I think that that's really important for someone that's really desperate uh, think about your family. Think about what you're going to leave behind. If you know anybody that ever did commit suicide, just think about the family, the friends, uh, the brokenhearted trail of, of broken glass that you left behind. And I think that that might be something that really could stop a person from doing something so horrible. And I think you put it well when you said uh, you're taking a person who's a hero and you're doing a cowardly way out of it. That's that's a very good point, and I really believe in that. And I think that maybe there's not enough focus on that. I gave her a lot of kudos that she goes out and she talks about how she's angry with her husband that he did what he did and left her with young children to raise. And uh, you know, and maybe in that moment he he was just in such pain and he thought it was the right way out. But there's always hope. And Bill said it. Jimmy said it. I'm going to say it. If you anybody has a problem, reach out to someone. Reach out to us. And, uh, you know, there's always, always hope. There's always, always could be something worse. That's the way you got to think about things. And just think about there's got to be somebody out there that's going to miss you and love you and be mad that you did what you did. So uh, that's probably the best words that I could come up with on, uh, on you know, a terrible thing, PTS related uh, suicide. You know, her name um, was Mary, Marianne DeLuco McGinnis. And yes. that, that's her name. And I, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying her name because she came on the show and uh, she bared her soul uh, telling about that horrible thing with her husband who killed himself. You know, uh, uh, Marine Corps is part of my life. It always will be. Uh, one of the sayings we learn is adapt and overcome. Do not ever accept no and do not ex- ever accept failure. There's got to be another way there. And as Bill knows and Phil, you may not know, I am, I am pretty much blind. I have no vision in my left eye and only 20% my right. I have what they call catastrophic peripheral. The VA calls it that. And uh, what I see, I don't see this at all. As I do this, I don't see it. And uh, it's like looking through a paper towel and a blurry end on the other end. But I adapt and overcome. And every day it's a struggle. Every day it's a battle. But I still am here and I'm still battling. And there will be a solution for me down the road, please God. But... When I go to the VA, I stop in the lobby and I find that oldest old timer I can find with the Marine Corps. You know, the, the old times, they, they're like billboards with those hats they wear and their <laughs> shirts and stuff. And I just always go up to them and just listen to one of them. 
and I listen to his stories. And now it's Vietnam veterans at this point. Uh, and I just want to be there for him and let him tell his story. But if he can get up and do it every day, so can I. And you need to know as a as a cop, there's somebody out there struggling just like you or fireman or somebody else. I was a volley in Limbrook for two years. Let's let's bitch together. Let's just fucking go nuts together. And <laughs> you know, and 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 piss on our own graves before we get there. If that makes any sense. And, and you know, James, cops are the biggest complainers on earth, and they love to complain. And you know, that's that's part of the way you get through the the job is just to complain about everything. You know, I used to have a sergeant from street crime, Frank Cush, and I remember he said, "You know something? He goes, people on this job are so ridiculous. If they said, look, don't come to work any anymore, just once a month, go pick up your check at this location, that same person would say, can't they mail it to me?" Yeah. <laughs> Good example. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. <laughs> Bill, I, I, I spoke to you privately before we started, but Phil, I didn't get a chance to tell you. I think this show's great. I think the two of you are doing a fantastic job and I enjoy it every day. I really do. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Today. That's 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 Absolutely. really a great compliment. It really means a lot. James, do, James, do you have any final words? We're at, we're at an hour right now. I don't usually yeah. like to go much past an hour because our fans start fleeing. <laughs> so all the uh, donations we get today are going to hopefully go right towards the park. We have now filled up our park walls. We don't have any more room. So many people have died. We've run out of room. We're going to have to build new walls and such. So we're asking or we're hoping to put the donations from today to go towards that. Uh, Twitter is at FGF1, F-G-F-O-N-E. Uh, FGF1.com, FGFONE.com. And uh, you have my cell phone number. Please. Yes, I put it I put it up in the chat. I also just put Feel Good Foundation. You, uh, you can Google that and go on their site and donate right off your credit card or PayPal right to there, which I, which I did uh, this afternoon because I didn't want to uh, people say, hey, <laughs> you're talking a lot of shit about donating. You're going to do it yourself. So I did. I did it before the show. And and, and James can verify that because I'm sure he looked it up and said, oh, I want to make sure this guy's <laughs> Bill, you told and I walk and walk. <laughs> You'll never make it in Congress. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I also will be donating after the show. I give you my word on Thank that. Thank you, Phil. Thank Absolutely. Philly, you have any last words? Last words. I did call John Field one time. I had his card. And he called me right back. And I can say that I stand up for this foundation. Just look at those uh, quick news clips that Billy played with uh, with uh, John Stewart, Lou Alvarez, uh, Jimmy, and, and and I think they uh, they also had uh, uh, Don Phil was there. So listen, they're not a BS organization. It's a legitimate, uh, trustworthy charity. Uh, they're doing God's work, as we said. And thank you for all your service. Thank you very much, Jimmy. So glad we got to meet. Uh, I was somewhere in, in Brooklyn tonight, and I had something to do. But I said I have to get on to meet you. I'm just uh, so honored to meet you. And thank you very, very much. Um, again, uh, anybody that's out there having a hard time, reach out. Get a friend. Get a hold of us. Get a hold of Jimmy. And uh, we'll talk. And we'll get through Number it. five, Phil. You know, and not that it means anything, but, um, well, it does mean a lot, but James's brother is Patrick Ryder, who is the Nassau County Police Commissioner, who, with a new uh, county executive, decided to keep him on, right? That's uh, what a great job he's doing. That says something, right? And he's former NYPD. And also, your cousin is Jim Cohn, the retired inspector from aviation, who's now living the life in Florida. I admire that God guy. Bless. The bachelor life in Florida. He's flying and 10 flights a month, right? For the record, I'm taller than both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but but he could just he could just stand on his stacks of hundreds that he's phenomenal, got, you know? Phenomenal careers with the two of them. Phenomenal. That's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. I showed that picture of my family before, and I appreciate that. In the dead center was my mother. She is the one that gave us all our drive, and I take nothing away from my dad. The woman in the center there, thank you for showing again, and the white white blouse, black uh, slacks, is my mom. I love her. I miss her dearly. But that's me on the far right. Patrick's on the far left next to his wife, Jill, and the rest of our family, uh, a determined bunch. Like I said, my sister Kathy, we're very proud. Just got woman of the year yesterday for the village of Limbrook. 
She's a volunteer EMT in Limbrook. And it all comes from my mom right there in the center. So she, she wasn't a writer. She married James Ryder, but she was a Collins. And wow. she made sure that we all knew that my mother was a Collins. Hey, that's the great Irish revolutionary, Absolutely. Michael Collins, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's we, right. Had, we had a great chief on the NYPD by the name of Michael Collins. I, I was knew a cop him. With Mike. Yeah, I knew him. Oh, yeah. good people, Mike. He was, he was my partner in anti-crime yes. for a little while. We worked in uh, the 7-0 together. Good man. Yeah. Yeah. Good man. Fill but that's a family of service, that picture you were just showing. That was a real family of service. God bless Bob, you all. Thank you very much. Bill, I'm glad to do this whenever you want. Anybody has questions, I would love to read through the chat. If anybody has any questions, I'll do that at my earliest convenience and or as early as I can, I guess I should say. And God bless the two of you for bringing this attention tonight. We very much appreciate it. James, thanks for coming on the show and, and stay in touch. You know, I consider you guys... Uh... Irish family. <laughs> Somewhere long ago, I'm sure we. Uh, our... I can only imagine how how large our family really is. <laughs> That's right. That's Listen, right. it's not like having an Irishman fighting for you. I'll tell you that. Just ask <laughs> Joe Murray. <laughs> I've been doing ancestry for almost forty years. I've back to the 1400s. I found two cops in Ireland that are our family. They came here to America. They're both cops, Garda, as they say in Ireland, and yeah. marched in the St. Paddy's Day parade with my brother Patrick. That's God great. Bless. That's beautiful. Folks, uh, again, it's called the Feel Good Foundation. If you could uh, donate to that, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. The 9-11 responders really appreciate it. And all you police off the cuff, real crime family, thank you so much for listening to us. Everyone stay safe. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you soon. Stay, stay safe, down. everyone. One episode, just